You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Okay, well, thank you dads, granddads, uh, for all that you do, and uh, we celebrate you. It's great to have you with us today. And as we said earlier in the service, whenever we do uh, these special holiday days where there's Mother's Day and Father's Day and things like that, there can be mixed emotions, and uh, our lives don't always mirror the storybook kind of uh, uh, things that, that are told in our culture. And sometimes there's been absent fathers. Sometimes there's been, uh, maybe even uh, your, your father's passed away, and there's a loneliness there and an emptiness. And, and so um, we certainly empathize with you. And, uh, and we want to say we appreciate dads for all that you do. And thank you for sharing your morning with us. Uh, my kids got me the, um, the best dad ever medal. And I wore this for the first service. And then I found afterwards that I blinded everybody because in the lights, it was, it was blinding everybody. And so I can't wear it um, to save your eyesight, but I'll put it on after. And uh, they always get me something like this uh, in a card and laugh and giggle because I have to wear it in front of everybody. But uh, this time, they, uh, it's too shiny and uh, they couldn't do it. So um, so uh, I have a talk today that I just want to pray before I start and get into it in, in, our, in our series in Luke. If you just let me uh, pray, Lord, we just want to pause and I ask, Lord, that you would help me deliver uh, the, the talk today, the content, the subject matter. It's uh, an important one and it's, a, and it's a serious one. I pray that you open our hearts and help us to receive in your name. Amen. Now, we don't always know why uh, topics come up in the order they do or why we end up speaking and things, but we always trust that, uh, that there's people who are with us and in the midst of, uh, of, of, our, of our community that, that identify with things. And, um, and we hear so often uh, that that talk meant something and was for, for somebody. And we had that again this morning. And, uh, and so we trust that you uh, would be here today and that this is something that would bring you encouragement and some hope and uh, would, would uh, just be a, a, a source of some life in your own heart today. Um, I want to start by looking at Jesus' arrival in, uh, in Luke 2, this Christmas nativity, the story of Jesus showing up in, in verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And the verse that really jumps out at me is verse 10, where it says, uh, the, the angel says, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to everyone, to every heart. And you know, when Jesus is first announced, when his arrival is first here on earth, he is declared and announced that he is good news and he brings great joy. And that is the picture that we have of Jesus that, that is part of the, his coming, that's part of the reasoning for him is that he's good news and he brings great joy. It's who Jesus is. And we, um, we are in a, a, a world where it's good to be reminded of the goodness of Jesus, of the, the, the joy that can come from Jesus. Because it's easy for the darkness of this world to creep in and take over our heart. For the, for, for the, the, the darkness and the things of this world to kind of begin to invade and, and fill up within our insides. There's Mark 4, there's the sower, the parable of the sower or the seed and, and the kingdom of God growing. And, and Jesus says that, that the troubles and the distractions and the hardships of this world, they grow up like weeds in our soul 
and they choke out the kingdom of God. And there's something about that picture, that having, having a chokehold, about being choked out, about the, 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 the tragedies and the difficulties and the circumstances of this world that can, that can grow and, 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 and they can overtake our heart. They can literally choke us out. And sometimes um, there are people that that's, that's the way we feel. You might even be here today and feel like um, you have no hope, that there's no escape, that, that life has put a chokehold on you. And that's a hard, dark place to be in. Uh, I was out of town last week, and I got a text from my oldest daughter, Caden, that said, Dad, did you hear that Anthony Bourdain died? Uh, he committed suicide. They just found him. He said, I'm, I'm in class right now crying. And, um, and it, it really impacted her, and really the news of this uh, really hit her. And, um, you know, at 17, to try to process all those things, and uh, just earlier this past year, one of her favorite teachers took his own life at the school she's at. And um, the, 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 the feelings and the emotions and all just all come back again. And it's such a hard, difficult subject and, and uh, a difficult thing. In case you don't know, Anthony Bourdain, is a, he was a celebrated chef and author, top-rated show called Parts Unknown on CNN. It's probably my favorite show on TV. I PVR'd it and watched it. It's, the only, it's actually the only show on network TV that I watch. I find it highly intelligent, it's cultural, it's got amazing storytelling, very good writing, production is awesome, uh, really great, well done, and, um, and it's something that I would watch, but the best part about that show is that my 17-year-old daughter, Kate, and I would watch it together. And in the complicated um, relationships between uh, dads and teenage daughters, as we saw in the, in the, the funny video a few minutes ago, um, that's a show that at least that's something. It was a connecting point that we could connect on. And it's, it's, um, it's a tragedy that, um, that is far-reaching. And um, unfortunately, all of Tony's success was not enough to silence the voices of hopelessness that was in his soul. And like all suicides, it's a tragic loss. And he leaves behind a large group of loved ones that are left without him. And there's great pain that, that continues on to this day because of that. And um, news of Anthony Bourdain came out just days after famous fashion designer Kate Spade took her own life. And the unfortunate recent actions of some of these celebrities are a reminder that people all around us are in pain. And they're, in, they're struggling in darkness over the circumstances and the, and the, and the situations in their lives. And so often things look good on the outside, but on the inside we can be overwhelmed with feelings of loss and sadness and loneliness and emptiness. Um, perhaps you're here today and you identify with similar feelings in your own heart. And at the risk of sounding cliche, I, I want you to find hope in Jesus and know that there is hope. There's hope out of that darkness. There's hope out of that dark place. And Jesus can help. Jesus can walk with you and he can bring hope. And I think we can see this right in the very beginning of Jesus' mission. Uh, we get an introduction to the hope that he brings right when he begins his public ministry. If you've been tracking with us over the past couple of weeks, you'll know that we looked at Jesus' baptism as an adult, his first kind of public appearance as an adult, he gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness and faces the temptations, and we've gone through some of those stories. Immediately following that, under the Spirit's and the Holy Spirit's leading, uh, Jesus shows up, and um, he shows up in the temple. 
and he reads the scroll from Isaiah as a prophetic declaration of who he is. Jesus makes a declaration of his mission, of why he's come, who he is, what he's about, and we see that in Luke 4, 16, 19, which I'll read. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, of course, speaking of Jesus, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood to read the scriptures. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives to be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus has come to bring hope to those that are without hope. This is Jesus' mission. This is his purpose. At the very beginning, the first public teaching that he gives is to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. And in fact, all of the stories from this point forward, throughout all of the gospels, all of the miracles, the teachings, the healings, all of the time he spent with the disciples, everything he does, all of his actions is actually living out this mission that he came to bring freedom to the captive. He came to set the oppressed free. He came to heal up the brokenhearted. He came to give sight to the blind. Jesus lives this out in his ministry. This is the essence of who he is and the declaration of his life. And we can learn some things from what he says in Luke 4 and his identity and in his mission. One of them is that Jesus is an advocate for the forgotten and the overwhelmed. Remember in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me if you carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. You come to me, and you give me your burden, and I will give you rest in exchange. Jesus has a heart for those that feel forgotten and overwhelmed. He has a heart to find those, to seek those out that are carrying the burden that is so heavy they can't carry it themselves. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. There's an invitation for Jesus that shows us his heart. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is always about finding the ones. Jesus is always about finding the marginalized, the lost, the forgotten, the overlooked, the overwhelmed, the hopeless. Jesus shows up in their life. That's what he came for. That's who he is. And in Luke 4.18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, there was no societal safety nets like child and family services and EI and health care and things like that. Um, the poor were poor because they had fallen through the cracks. And the poor were not just poor because of money. The poor becomes a catch-all category. And in fact, in, 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 in the Hebrew, in, the, in the, um, the, the Isaiah text, the word for poor is anov. And it means those who were afflicted and felt defeated. This is who the poor are. This is who Jesus says, I've come with good news. It's those who were sick, those who were abandoned, those who were rejected, who were marginalized. And their needs were much greater than just their financial status. It's those who were alone and forgotten and without hope. 
In fact, another way to look at this is in the Beatitudes, just a, a few stories of Jesus over in his ministry. When Jesus adds this, he says, blessed are the poor, and then he adds in spirit. And when Jesus says, I came to bring hope to the poor, it is like he's saying, I came to bring hope to the poor in spirit, those whose lives are broken, are hurting, are struggling. I came to bring hope to those who feel overwhelmed and forgotten. He has a heart for those Another is that Jesus is an advocate for those in spiritual and emotional prisons. When Jesus says he's come to proclaim the captives will be set free, he's not just talking about inmates in our correctional services. How many know that we can be held captive and not be locked in a literal prison? Lies that have been spoken over us, that have come around us and chained us and put chains on us and, and hold us down, that keep us from being who we are supposed to be. How many people wake up every day and they're stuck in a prison cell of addictions and cycles and habits and patterns that they just can't overcome? How many wake up every day to find they're stuck in a prison of self-hate and self-defeat and self-doubt? They're stuck in a prison of aloneness and isolation. How many wake up every day in a prison of broken and dysfunctional relationships that they just can't get free of. Jesus wants you to be set free from every prison that tries to control your life. Every prison that tries to hold you in, that tries to lock you in and restrict your freedom of who you're intended to be, Jesus came to open that prison door. Jesus came to set the captive free. And part of Jesus' work and part of his heart and his desire for your life is to help you find a way to see that prison door open and see you step free into freedom, into deliverance, and to healing. Jesus came to set the captives free. Another is that Jesus is an advocate for those who cannot see a way out. When Jesus says he will give sight to the blind, he's not just talking about physical healing. How many of you know that you can have perfect eyesight and still be unable to see? As I listen to people share their struggles with me, I often hear them say they don't know where to go, what to do, how to get out, how to move forward, what the next step is. It's like they've been blinded. They're in darkness. And you know, when you're in darkness and you feel in lostness and it's like you can't see where to go, what to do, how to move forward, how to get out, that is incredibly discouraging and debilitating. It like just puts us into spiritual, emotional gridlock. And it's something about Jesus showing up and giving us sight to see. Jesus gives us, gives us sight in the darkest, most dense forest of our life to begin to see a way out. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Do you know that when we begin to just have the eyes of our heart, when we begin to have spiritual sight, when, when the Holy Spirit begins, you, ha you have eyes in your heart, okay? As a, as a believer, as a spiritual person, you have eyes in your soul, your spirit, to be able to understand, interpret, and know the leading of God, the ways of God, where to go, and how God would lead you. They're there. 
And Jesus is, is saying, Paul is saying, he's saying that the eyes of your heart can be opened. And when they're open and you begin to see, Paul says, you will get hope. And sometimes in the darkness, we have no hope. And Jesus comes to open our eyes, open the eyes of our heart, help us to see, because it does give us hope, because we can begin to see a way, a way forward, a way out, a way through. There are people in your life right now that are spiritually blinded. They can't see Jesus. They don't know they need to open their heart to him. Maybe they've never opened their heart to him. Maybe they've closed their heart to him. There are people in your life right now where there's a spiritual blindedness. And Jesus can open the eyes of their heart to see. And I wonder if we could just, even right now, in the middle of this talk, could we just pray for those people? Just, just pray with me right now. Just think of the, the parents, the siblings, the kids, the grandkids, the friends, the coworkers, the people in your life that you're close to, your neighbors that don't know Jesus. And just lift them up before Jesus right now. And Jesus, we just ask that you would open the doors of your kingdom. We pray that you would open the eyes of their heart, that they would see, that they would know, that they would understand. Jesus, we pray that they would respond, that they would follow you, that they would surrender their lives to you, that they would know of your love and your forgiveness and your greatness. And it is only something you can do by your spirit, Jesus. It's not an argument. It's not a, a wise comment. It's Jesus. It's you opening, opening their eyes, the eyes of their heart. We pray, God, that they would come to faith, that they would come to know you, and that they would know the joy and the hope of Jesus. We pray that you would do that work in their lives in your name. Amen. So Jesus has come to give sight to the blind, sight to those who can't see Jesus, and sight to those who can't see a way out, that Jesus would show up and he would help. Another is that Jesus gets down in the dirt to help us sort through the broken pieces of our life. The NLT, which is what I normally use, reads, Jesus came to declare freedom for the oppressed. And other translations say, he came to heal the brokenhearted. And uh, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah where it says, the Lord has come to bind up the brokenhearted. Now the Hebrew word that Isaiah uses for, for brokenhearted is shabar, which literally means shattered into pieces. That Jesus came to heal shattered hearts. The image we get is something that is broken into so many pieces, it's like it can't be put together again. It, it's like you look down and there's no, you don't even know where to start. It's, it can't happen. It's too broken. Um, a little while ago, a few, a few years ago, my kids were totally into Lego. And uh, it's probably one of the best toys that we ever, we ever invested for in their lives. And um, they, they would play Lego for days. We'd go into Christmas holidays and get them Lego, and they would just play for days and days and days and days. And um, my youngest daughter, we got her this, like, big helicopter thing, and it was really complicated, but we thought, you know, she could do it. It'll keep her busy for a while. And so we got her this, and, and she opened it, and then when, they, when you open it up, it comes in, like, there's a 100 small little bags, 
And so it's like, this is the propeller and the rotor. This is the chassis. This is the cockpit. You know, when you find the instructions and you put it together. And in her zeal, she opened everything up and dumped it all together. And there's like 5,061 pieces in this helicopter. And, um, and she came up and she's crying. And I said, what's wrong, honey? And she's like, I, she, she needs help with her Lego. She's so discouraged. She's so, and I go down and I look at it. And I think, how are we ever going to build this thing? Like pieces are, you got to look for, where's the little red thing that fits here? And like, oh, you know what I had to do? I had to calm her down. I had to say, we can do this. I had to sit down on the floor with her. And I had to fish through thousands of pieces of Lego one at a time until we found it and it fit and it took a long time and we just kept building and we just kept putting it back together. And you know, the picture I have is that Jesus comes along and he looks at us looking down at the shattered heart, the shattered dreams, the shattered life, the pain and the destruction the shabar of our lives. And Jesus says, we can do this. And he sits down in the dirt with us and he picks it up one piece at a time and he finds the pieces that fit together and he finds another one and he just begins to put our life back together. Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted. Bind up means you put all the pieces back together and you wrap it up and you bandage it all together so that it can heal, so it can fuse together again. Jesus will sit down in the dirt with you when you have no hope, when you look and you think, there's no way I can get through this or I can put this back together again. Jesus will sit with you and he will look one piece at a time and he will put it together. And he will not abandon you. There is hope. There is hope in Jesus. And you know, the best thing about that picture and the best thing about what Jesus gives us is that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus makes all this declaration. I've come to, um, I've come to bring good news to the poor. I've come to give sight to the blind. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. And I've come to say and declare that the time of the favor of God is here, is upon us. And you know, that is about walking and encountering and opening your heart to Jesus. In the, in the beginning of the talk, I, I mentioned Anthony Bourdain taking his life as an example of how people all around us, even those who look like everything is fine on the outside, can struggle with the darkness of their soul. And um, my hope today is that you are encouraged to open your heart to Jesus because he's the one who brings good news to the hopeless and freedom to the captive. And my approach today was to look at this as um, in a pastoral sense, to encourage you with a pastoral perspective and to know that Jesus is always a part of healing and restoration. He's always a part of walking us through and getting us through but I am cognizant and I'm aware that I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a medical doctor. And you know, there are many other elements to the struggles we face when it comes to mental health and depression and complex issues. And I believe Jesus can be a part of every healing and of every story. 
but there are many tools that Jesus works in and works through. And there are church circles and church leaders that would even teach that psychologists and mental health caregivers and people who would be counselors and therapists and things that they are, they're not of God and it's always about a demon and it's always that it's an instant fix and those kinds of things. And though I highly believe there's an overlap between our mental, emotional, spiritual selves, highly believe it, Jesus will always bring freedom. There is always an enemy and forces at work against us in it all. But I would say this, that is important if we're going to talk about this in a context, it's important that you know that it's okay to take practical steps, that there are other things that you can do. And it's not just about getting somebody to pray for you. And we believe in prayer and Jesus healing and delivering and setting people free. Um, but I want to give you a couple of practical things. If you would just think about this. I added this after. These aren't on the slide. So uh, one of them is to get help. It's good to consider medical and clinical help. Mental health struggles like depression can be treated effectively with proper care. And Jesus can use that and be present in that. And I've seen people see a gifted counselor and therapist and, and it can make a world of difference. Sometimes three sessions and it just helps them to have some understanding and insight into their own life, their own pain, their own experience. Helps give them some tools for how to begin to climb up out of that pit on their own strength and in their own, their own power, relying on Jesus and, and, and overcoming it one day at a time. And there's good help available. And I think that you need, if, if it's something that you're wrestling with and feeling with, it's okay to make that call. It's okay to reach out. Um, another is um, practice gratitude. There are numerous studies that show identifying and expressing things to be thankful for and appreciative of in our lives has a great power back into our lives. There is a splashback. There is a spillback into your heart and your spirit when you express gratitude and love and appreciation for other people and other things in your life. And what it does is it helps us to be focused on others and to find the value in others. It helps us sometimes to take our eyes off of even our own pain and our own struggle. And there's a splashback effect that comes by practicing gratitude. Another is to find connection, to be in community. And I think perhaps this is the most important thing. And if you struggle and you're facing these kinds of things, to know, don't go it alone. Tell someone. Invest in relationship with someone else. Their studies have shown over and over and over again the, that connection to other people, that being in community has an incredible effect on helping us get out of the fog, of helping us find our way through. Don't go it alone. Because what happens is when we keep things in secret and we keep things all locked in, we give that thing power. We give that darkness power. And one of the ways to help find a way out, one of the ways for Jesus to begin to give hope into your soul is to share with others and to begin to let others in. And you know, there's something about loneliness and isolation that it is a breeding ground for negative thoughts. I'm gonna say that again because I think it's so good and I wrote it. <laughs> loneliness and isolation 
are a breeding ground for negative thoughts. Don't be isolated. Don't let the aloneness and the rejection and the pain overtake your soul. Find connection with somebody. It makes an incredible difference. Another is to check your influences. What makes the voices of darkness louder and more clear in your heart? Media and the things you consume and take in. Toxic and negative relationships with others. Substance abuse, addictions, things that we medicate ourselves with. Sometimes we have to make a change in these areas to kind of help silence and mute the negative voice and to help us find and hold on to hope to kind of pull ourselves up out of that pit. There is hope. And Jesus is a part of it all. You invite Jesus and welcome him into all of that. And he can set you free. He can set you free in an instant. He can set you free by using and working with other people and helping self-awareness and understanding there's freedom in Jesus from the most darkest part of your heart. I'm gonna get the team to come. We're gonna get ready to close this morning. I appreciate you um, letting me talk about this difficult uh, topic and subject and trying to do it in grace and, 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 and blessing and encouragement. And, um, you know, sometimes people ask, well, what if... What if someone comes to me? What do I do? How do I respond? How do I handle that? How do I, how do I be present in their life? What am I supposed to do? So I'm going to give you just a couple as, we, as we're kind of winding up here, just a couple of really practical things. I think these are things that all of us can remember and can do. Um, one is to sit with them and to listen to them and to hear them, like really hear them. Hear them in a way that they know they're being heard. Listen to their body language. Listen to their voice. Empathize with them. Listen to their pain. Connect with them. It helps them know they're not alone. And you know, it's okay to ask them to describe their feelings and describe their experiences and just, just listen to them and talk with them because it helps them know they're not alone. Don't try to fix their problems or offer them solutions. Don't judge them. Don't make it about you. It's not your story. It's not your failure in their life. Don't make it about you. And you know, perhaps the most important advice that I've ran across and people have asked me lots of times, what do I do? How do I handle this? One of the best things I've ever heard is this, is be the person, be the person that they came to you for in the first place. When that conversation opens up with someone else, it opens up because they trust you, they respect you, they're reaching out. Be that person. Be the person that they're reaching out to. Be present in their life. Be gracious. Be encouraging. Extend love. And can I just say this? Don't forget that you carry Jesus and the Holy Spirit would minister through you. 
Is it okay to say, hey, you should talk to my pastor. You should talk to a counselor. I know that's okay. That's good. That's what we're here for. But don't do it because you feel inadequate and you feel like you can't say something and you feel like you are a minister. The Holy Spirit is with you. And do you know when Jesus says, I came to bring good news to the broken, to the poor in spirit. I came to set the captives free. I came to bring freedom to the oppressed. I came to give sight to the blind. That's the ministry and the mission of Jesus. But do you know when he did that mission and he lived that out, all those stories in the gospel, he was doing it with the disciples and showing the disciples how to do it. And the disciples went forward and did that and it went to the rest of the early church and out it spread. It is what we do. It's what you do. You are a carrier of Jesus and a carrier of the Holy Spirit. And if you have an opportunity to listen to somebody's pain, and somebody opens their heart to you, Jesus is present and he is at work. And Jesus will use you. He will use your life. And you get courage and you lean into that thing. And you let Jesus use you. Our churches are full of people who come to church and they go home and they come to church and they go home and they never do anything with their faith. You know what? You are a minister of the gospel and the Holy Spirit's anointing is on your life. And I will tell you what, there are more encounters and powerful moments in the kingdom of God that will happen in your life throughout the week than will happen here in a two-hour time block on a Sunday morning. We need to stop thinking about church is the only place that we can encounter the presence and the power of God. Your life is where you encounter the power and the presence of God. Start living it out. I know I'm going on holiday soon, but I'm just getting all this stuff off. I'm cleaning the slate, so I come back clean. You walk with the anointing and the presence of Jesus and he will lead you to the poor in spirit. He will lead you to the blind. He will lead you to the captive. He will lead you to the oppressed. He will lead you to the broken, shattered hearts in our world. And you have the privilege of joining in with the Holy Spirit to say, we can put that piece together with this piece and I will sit with you and Jesus will do a great thing. There is hope pray. Lord, I thank you for our church and for our community. And I think there are people here, even in this room now, that they themselves have wrestled and struggled with some of these issues in their life and in their heart. And I pray, God, that you would come and you would bring hope and restoration, that they would not listen to the dark lies and the dark voices of Jesus. They would find you they would hold on to you. Jesus, I pray that you would, it's like you are bending down right now. We are in a pit and we can't get out. We can't reach the top, but you are bending down and you're reaching in and you're grabbing hold of us and you're pulling us up and you're pulling us out. I pray, God, that you would deliver us and set us free, those who are struggling with some of these issues. And Lord, all of us in this room know people who need this hope, who need you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to know that we know that we know that just as you came 
just as you came to be good news to the poor in spirit, just as you came to bind up the shattered broken hearts, just as you came to bring sight to the blind, just as you came to set the captives free and bring freedom to the oppressed, Jesus, so do you send us into this world. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us and equip us and empower us to walk into those moments with courage, that there would be testimonies and good reports of people in our church community who are ministering to Jesus and the lost world all week long. Jesus, it's not about the moments just in church. It's about the moments in our lives that you're with us throughout the week, everywhere we are. Help us to be courageous in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening and being a part of our, our time this morning. We're going to just sing together and then we'll dismiss officially in just a second. Why don't you stand as we, uh, we sing to Jesus, good, good Father. Thanks for listening to audio from The House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.